2: Be a pro with AC
3: Pro. A draft pick, uh, so forth and so on. You get the picture. Seven players receive a qualifying offer. Shohei Itani, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Sonny Gray, Josh Hader, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. So there you go. And if you want to get projections on how much these guys are going to make, how much free agent's going to make, and you want to get how you get those projections, go back to the podcast we dropped yesterday, Tim Britton of The Athletic just go to at bb isn't boring at bb isn't boring social accounts producer evan doing an outstanding job well also by the way producer evan how about him surfacing the sleepers in the free agent draft is the names you need to know but go to at bb isn't boring to to listen to the britain podcast to get the what's what when it comes to judging this. And also our great friends at MLB Trade Rumors, they just dropped theirs projections, and pretty close to, to what Tim did. But either one, either or, look at them both. Starting with Shohei Itani with for both of them, holy mackerel, let's go. Well, hey, we're at the GM meetings. I, I buried the lead. Boots on the ground, baseballs are boring, boots on the ground, GM meetings in Scottsdale. And in case you don't know what the GM meetings are all about, GM meetings are a little different in the winter meetings. Not nearly as much happens because it's a little bit earlier in the in the offseason. But really you have the agents and the executives. They're out and about a little bit more. In this case, you have the the hotel in Arizona and sort of a big courtyard and big open areas. So agents and GMs and assistant GMs and other people in the front office, they're walking around. You don't really see that in the winter meetings. Usually they're holed up in their suites and their rooms. But in this case, they're walking around and you're getting sort of the lay of the land of the offseason. You're talking to them about things. And in this case, you're talking to them about, managerial openings or managerial hirings and another thing about the gm meetings is that once a day well today as we tape this as we drop this tuesday you will have the american league executives hold up in one room for about an hour and you can talk to them about whatever but they have to be there and then the next day is the national league so it's good because you get access to these guys they have to answer the questions. I'm sure that a ton of conversation regarding managers will take place. And that was another big thing about baseball not being boring. All right, on Monday, managers were hired. Carlos Mendoza was hired from the Yankees to the Mets. Now he is the Mets manager. Steven Vaught, he was hired by the Cleveland Guardians. But the shocker. The one that we're going to base our podcast around. The one that has set the world, the baseball world, abuzz. Has everybody milling about the GM meetings and can you believe that just happened. Craig Council, biggest contract for any manager in the history of baseball. Signs of the Cubs. Some great reporting by people. Figuring out how that happened. And Council lands with the Cubs. So here come the Cubs. Here you go. They, they aren't messing around. And David Ross, friend of the program, David Ross, raw deal, man. It just is. It's just where you really, really hope that he lands, maybe with the Padres somewhere else. Deserves it. Good manager, great guy. You know, and think about how iconic he was or is in Chicago. And they're just like, no, you know, we're going to go for the, the, the Shohei Ittati of the managing free agent market. He's available. We can blow people, we can blow them away with our salary, with our situation. We're going to go get them. So that's why we wanted to do this podcast today with Matt Spiegel of 670 The Score, with our, our person, our number one Chicago fan, our number one Chicago voice, Cordy Finnicum. She joins us as well. What is going on in Chicago? We had to get the pulse. We had to get what was going on. In the world of baseball chaos, There, the epicenter is Chicago. The Cubs, holy mackerel, like we talked about, all that. And in case you don't know, there's another team there, the White Sox. Has there been a bigger chasm? And I use that word chasm a lot in this podcast. Bigger chasm between two teams in a city that there is right now between the Cubs and the White Sox. It should be this rivalry. But instead, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the Cubs were also in the city, and they're playing across town. So there you go. But listen, don't take my word for it. Take two of our favorite voices, Matt Spiegel, Courtney Finnicum, back-to-back. They have the blood flowing, the, the adrenaline coursing through their veins about all this stuff. It's great. It's a great podcast. Like I said, at BB isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. Social account, Twitter account. And fanduel.com slash boring. We get some good ones coming up. Like I said, I'm at the the GM meetings in Arizona. So plenty of people to talk to here. But really, this this is, this is was the talk of the town. So we are going to make it the talk of the podcast. Matt Spiegel followed by Courtney Finnegan. All right, well... I don't think I've heard a better description for a day in Chicago baseball than what Matt Spiegel just told me. It's up to you if you want to say it again.
2: Yeah, what a what a mindfuck of a day. You know? Just just unreal. And they did the Cubs and Council did an incredible job of keeping this all under wraps. Nobody in the industry. I mean, well, you're out there in Arizona, Rob. You tell me nobody in Chicago knew. Uh nah. had, had any inkling it was going on. It had been floated a little bit uh, by my radio partner, actually just as like, a, you think the Cubs would ever do this? And I was like, no, no, they wouldn't do that. Cause, cause they loved David. I mean, I'm sure they were frustrated. You know how it works. Front offices get frustrated with managers all the time, but it's often very minor. And they had a chance a month ago to say how they felt about David and, Tom Ricketts said it during Game 162, and then Jed Hoyer said it loudly a couple days later, and and we all knew that to be the case in town. So this was shocking stuff today.
3: So so I know that Matt. A lot of people compare this sort of to the Madden thing, right? Yeah. Taking over for Renteria, the the the. I mean, listen, Joe Madden had plenty of uh, accomplishments in history to get a job. But Renteria, you know, like it wasn't like he he would given him a lot of time. But this was clearly the sexier hire. This was the the the, the hire that was going to get people's blood boiling. That people and and it's kind of like you, David Ross. I would imagine a semblance of what you felt when David Ross was hired back a few years ago. I don't know. But this, how much of this? I guess what I'm asking is, how much of this was we're pissing on our territory? Almost like let's go
2: well you know it, it it's interesting like i i mean it's a big take from milwaukee obviously so that component added in to the obvious comp that yes i think i mean it, it feels a lot like when they went down to pensacola and hung out in front of madden's rv the cousin eddie and convinced him to leave tampa bay
1: selling a little or a lot to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
2: um and and bring him up there and said apologies to you ricky Renteria." But this is different because Ross is their guy. Mm -hmm. Ross is the World Series hero. Ross is the guy they handpicked to come back and be part of the front office when he was still a broadcaster and kind of groom him for this gig. And Madden loved Ross, too. It's like and the whole town does. I mean, hell, you know, talking to Ron Coomer today, the radio broadcaster, David Ross was his locker mate in L.A., when when he was a rookie with the dodgers and coomer has interviewed him every homestand or whatever it's been um for these four years so like there's a lot of very close friendships and a lot of people who are surprised and hurt and then there are his former teammates some of whom are in media some are not you know and some people that you know well rob how does john lester feel today
3: You know, there's a lot of pissed off people. There's a lot of pissed. off. I know
2: I've talked to a couple. I bet you've talked to a couple too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what is, so what is the overall vibe? What is the overall vibe? Because like you said, I mean, this is a guy who is an iconic guy in David Ross for a lot of reasons, but you know, as you manage, you know, people are pro a manager does faceless nameless manager. doesn't make a difference, but still it's David Ross, all the things that you said before. Our people, I don't know if you guys put up a poll or not. If people are jacked up about this, you got the best guy. You got the most coveted guy. There is something to be said for that for a fan base, right?
2: Well, not, not only that. I mean, well, well first let, let's answer it this way. Yes. The Cubs, I think, got the best manager in baseball. Due respect to Bruce Poche, Brian Snitker, um, and others, a couple others, obviously Kevin Cash. Um, but now that Terry Francona has retired, I think counsel's the gold standard. He's smart as hell, he has gotten the most done with very little like cash, but done it year after year after year. Um, and so I think he's great. And, and the Cubs Cubs fans will notice a difference and in terms of the vibe today, a lot of people really appreciative and excited to see the Cubs acting like a big boy franchise. Mm-hmm. It's winning time and it feels like taking um taking Madden from Tampa because hell we've got money and let's go ahead and take the best. shall we let's go steal the best? Oh
3: there's uh, Matt I mean and you're right. I mean for a fan base, look at what the Mets, the Mets when they get David Stearns, It's like we finally get the guy. We get, we yes. won. We won. Yes. And and now it's like and the perception is, well, and maybe I'm putting words in the mouth of the Cubs fans. Perception is we're going to, we go get the best manager. Now we're going to get the best players.
2: Absolutely. That's what's next. You're there at the GM meetings. Um, Cub fans expect them. And I expect them. To be all in on Juan Soto conversations, on Pete Alonzo conversations, and the mind starts to starts to reel with what the possibilities are. Marcus Stroma just opted out, surprisingly, mm-hmm. leaving twenty one million on the table. That's twenty one million on that Cubs payroll. So now let's talk. All these pitchers that are out there um, are, are suddenly intriguing. As is the idea of getting Soto or Alonzo and still bringing Cody Bellinger back at the end of the offseason once Scott Boris has tested the market, you know? Mm. So it it's going to be an incredible offseason. As the Cubs have announced, they are in win-now mode, hardcore. It's $40 million over five years for a manager, more than doubling the highest managerial salary out there right now. And that doesn't count against the competitive balance tax. So that's just a team flexing its muscles. (laughs) So that's the, that's the other thing is that like this organization, they spent like crazy in the build up to 2016, whether it was the complex in Mesa and then redoing Wrigley and then redoing the clubhouse and all the facilities in Wrigley, spending money on the miners and uh, the Dominican and, and, and everything that they did. And then once they won, and especially in the aftermath, and then when they sold off the players, sold off Bryant and Rizzo and Schwarber, there was a large portion of fan base in this town. It was like, I guess that's it. They got their win. Now they're just going to coast and make money. They spent a lot last offseason. Now they're spending $40 on a manager, and we expect them to spend and maybe go above the first level, the competitive balance tax in this offseason. It's a moment to be aggressive, and they should be. It's winning time.
3: So we could, you could have winning time and you mentioned all these players. I mean, we, I don't even think we've uttered the word Otani yet, which is amazing, yeah. right? Uh, who, by the way, actually took a meeting with the Cubs, right? I mean, he took, yeah. that was like, he, he, he went past the West Coast for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah.
2: Like, you mean the first time, the first yeah, time. The first when time. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, uh, Kyle Hendricks helped in that presentation. Um, they asked Kyle Hendricks to help and he's still there. Um, I just kind of love that little fact because that's how they went about it. And Kyle's a, a front office guy in the future. But yeah, no, o- o- Otani's a real, a real dream for whatever that's but, worth.
3: But it's, but, but because you're doing these things, Matt, because you're doing these things, this isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't just like, oh, well, maybe as you have articulated. This is the road they're going down, and the question I have for you, though, is—is is going back to Ross, is could they have function? Could they? You've watched. I know David Ross, but you've watched David Ross, the manager, much more than I have. Yeah. Could Could they have gotten to where they want to go with David Ross as the manager?
2: I I think they had their doubts, and uh, you know I don't think he was on the hot seat at all but there are things that they didn't love and things that they were going to talk about uh this off season and things that he needed to learn from. And I think evolve from a little bit. And next year was going to be absolutely put up or shut up time for David Ross. And in terms of winning, because they were going to have this, uh this approach of winning time is now and they got close and, they did fall apart in september. and And I think Ross is a terrific atmosphere provider as a manager, but it's his job to stop the slide, and he could not stop the slide. and um there are there are specific questions about some things. He really trusted the veterans and put them out there every single day, whether they tailed off in terms of productivity, like Mike Talkman and a couple guys like that. Or they just kind of flat got tired. Dansby Swanson on that last road trip, I think it was one for 17 with a few mental errors after he had said to Ross, I want to play every day. And David's like, "Okay, all right. You know, (laughs) so, you know, there's some of that. There's lineup stuff, which always comes up. There's there's also, you know, using the opener. Which I don't think Ross was a huge fan of. Mm. Um, and they didn't do it often. Mm. Um, but it, so there's those kind of things, but here's the other truth is that. Jed Hoyer gave him a god-awful bullpen at the beginning of the year and admitted so, said it out loud like 90 days into the year. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, all the bullpen guys that had figured it out with Ross got hurt and he had nobody again. And nothing makes a manager look stupider than a bad bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, so, so there's all of that. Um there are definitely cub fans Rob who are thrilled today purely from a strategic perspective and have said Ross was a bad manager this had to happen. So th- there is some of that maybe a lot of that out there. Um but there's also a lot of personal empathy uh for David who is clearly a very very good dude as you know.
3: Yeah. So Matt the last thing is what is the last time there's been this much of a divide in the two teams in Chicago. Oh God. I mean, so I mean I'm I'm looking because you know the White Sox, for all their flaws, has had have had notable players, right? Yeah. And ha- and have had decent teams. Uh-huh. But but now this is such an extreme this is such an extreme, I would imagine that which, you know, if we talk about winners and losers today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God.
3: I mean the White Sox are it's not even they they're number one the power rankings of, of losers right yeah
2: well i'm i'm looking you know
3: besides david ross of
2: course yeah, yeah oh god yeah. oh poor david ross um 2016 uh they went 78 and 84 as the cubs won the whole thing and they were 76 and 86 the year before that so that wasn't good uh 2000, well, 2000 2007 they were 72 and 90 as the uh cubs but, went but, to the but playoffs you,
3: but but you and uh, maybe no, this isn't scientific, but do yeah. you re- do you you remember it feeling that that much of a chasm that, that there is now? No, back then, no, no,
2: no, it, no, and and the thing is, the thing is, this—it's now the second period since like 2013 or so where it feels like that. So it's been the large part of, of a decade because once Theo got here and the Cubs rebuilt, it was so obvious that they were taking leaps. Leaps ahead of what the White Sox were organizationally. And then they won it. And then the Sox went about their own rebuild. It was like, Oh, look at them. They're catching up. All right. Look what they're doing under recon and everything. And then that thing all fell apart the way that it has with everybody getting fired and Tony Russa still in the mix and they hire Chris Getz from within and it feels very samey to a lot of White Sox fans. I think there's actually some hope. I think really interesting hires by Getz, mm-hmm. um, a, a, you know, a, a, across the board, actually. So I'm really interested to see how it plays out. And they've made some bold and aggressive moves, but Sox fans need to see it. So last year was a, a wildly a uh, disparate and awful season for Sox fans to endure as their thing was just ugly and bad. And the Cubs were having a bonus year where they looked like a possible playoff team when they were just supposed to be rebuilding. So that, that was, that was ugly and we'll see uh, it, if the ugliness continues.
3: Well, listen, I appreciate it, man. I, I, I always enjoy talking with you and you too, but, but this is, uh, this is, I can feel like the the, the adrenaline coursing through everybody's veins
2: Right. I mean, you're there at the GM meetings. Yeah. What's the buzz? No, anybody I mean, the buzz see, anybody the, see this coming? No,
3: no, no. The buzz is the buzz is that everyone's like, can you believe what happened today? Can you believe what happened today? And as someone yeah. points out, you know, it had to happen quick because you you couldn't talk to the You had to get permission to talk to the guy before November 1st. Right. And that right. evidently didn't happen. So but I mean, all is, but when you're going to pay the guy more than any other manager in the history of baseball, And and you're promising a good team, and you have the Chicago Cubs, uh, whatever the 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 symbol of the Chicago Cubs and everything that it brings. Yeah, for for Craig Council, and and he doesn't obviously didn't want to stay in Milwaukee. So there you go. It all, dude,
2: and and he gets to he gets to stay in his house uh, in Milwaukee. It's uh, less than ninety minutes away, dude. And and maybe he'll buy a condo or another house halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago he can drive 45 minutes in each direction <laughs> it, it's it, it's unbelievable so that's the choice and he's got two kids and I think he's got one kid in high school he's got two kids playing big Ten sports around here he wanted to stay in the Midwest so yeah. it's a it, it's it's absolutely um a, a a dream gig and yeah so so what, let me ask you a question real quick yeah what what's the comp in terms of stealing from a rival? Ooh. Like, are, yeah. So, I mean, you know it, like Jacoby Ellsbury from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Um, yeah, but yeah. but in terms of a manager, I and mean, we're talking, we nah, like, I mean, have to go no, back because,
3: to Joe McCarthy, because, Joe because, McCarthy
2: from the Yankees to the Red Sox. Yeah, in the
3: 40s. yeah. I mean, Ellsbury wasn't, you know, he was a great player, but it wasn't like he was beloved. Um, I tell you what, that jumps to mind, and this is, I'm going to date myself, but Louis Tiant going from the Red Sox to the Yankees.
2: Oh, that's good. That,
3: yeah, but I mean, this is when you're talking about managers. um, I'm gonna have to, di- I have to think about that a little bit. But I tell you what, though, man, it spices things up. I love it. I mean, like I said, I'm at the GM meetings, and this is we we've got the t-shirt cannon here, and on day one, let's you know the trampoline. Yeah, let's go.
2: <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, Rob, you're the best. All Thanks, right. dude. All right, it's always good when you
3: start, when you, I, I'm basically Courtney. I'm basically like a warm up act. I'm like Shecky Green. I'm like, like this. <laughs> I, 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 I get in front of the audience. I'd say, what I want you to do, Courtney, is I want you to just let it fly. Let your feelings out. I know that you probably to some close friends, you know, you're like, Oh, well, I, I really hate the White Sox. I really, I'm really disgusted and blah, blah, blah. But this is it. This is just like, boom. And let me just tee you up here, okay? So the White Sox, thanks to our great friends at FanDuel. Yes. Are the second, uh, technically the second longest long shot. So there's yep. uh, two teams tied as the long shot, but they have the second to last odds to win the World Series X year. The Chicago White Sox. Oh, stop right there. Let me get you going a little bit more. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Today, as we tape this, the White Sox basically said, if there was ever, ever anybody in Chicago who was sort of interested in the White Sox, come over here. We just paid the, the, a guy the highest salary for any uh, manager in the history of baseball. Uh, we're stirring things up. We're going to pay all this money. Shohei Itani, come on in. The water's fine. All of that. All of that. Yet, you sit there guarding at the gate, and you say, either you're yelling at them or you're saying, We have the best, we have the best, I don't know what, uh, I don't know, the best shrubbery in the outfield. The best food, the best margarita the best, popsicles. The best margarita popsicles. I was going to say the best Uber pickup, but it's actually the worst Uber pickup. It's
0: the worst. We've discussed worst. it. Yeah, the yeah.
3: Worst. Anyway, go ahead. Floor is yours, Courtney. Go ahead.
0: You know, the timing of this, you know, Rob, this is like therapy for me. You know, I know (laughs) it's free therapy for me, which I appreciate. And this has come at a great time because of the whole David Ross, crazy Craig console situation going on literally a mile down the street for me. Um, It's insane being a Sox fan. These are not good times for us. And let me rewind for even two years ago from two years ago, people experts you know we can take that with a grain of salt but experts were picking this team to be a world series contender Yes, two years yes two years, even you and i last year around this time before spring training reconvened and we both predicted the Sox could be the al central I, winner I,
3: I picked them for the al central yep
0: literally i said this was an 86 87 88 win team yep November, whatever today is, November 6th, 2023, coming off 101 loss season. Pretty much let Tim Anderson walk in free agency, more more than likely. And now the other side of town is paying all this money for credit Council. There's excitement in the air. It's insane. It's absolutely insane that once again, the White Sox had this beautiful opportunity to grab the baseball city. In Chicago and make a run for it, and they've blown it at every single obstacle, every single chance they've had, they have blown it. And now the Cubs have passed them by leaps and bounds in every single aspect. It's insane. It was not supposed to be this way.
3: So, so okay. So how do you, how do you feel? <laughs> how do you? What was the? What was the There has been a lot of low points for a White Sox fans, and I appreciate. That you're a white Sox fan i appreciate that you are you you are the fan that holds the team accountable while still wearing your white Sox jersey you're gonna be you may be the only one in the stands eating that frozen pops uh margarita popsicle i don't know but you're gonna be in the stands on opening day right i will be
0: i will be in arizona but in march you know probably having a beer with you somewhere you know down the road yeah and talking this fake hope that I'll have again for the 2024 White Sox, like we did last year. So yes, but
3: how many? But but as we sit here, I ask the same question. You know that I asked Matt Spiegel is which is, do you remember? Do you remember a chasm between the two teams in the city of Chicago like there is right now? And you can go back to, you know, the height of Theo Mania and Joe Madden and all that. But and I know the White Sox weren't good, but they still. In fact, they still had play some players, right? They- I mean, you, you would know better than I. How does this feel right now?
0: It feels, in all honesty, you know, the Sox have always had this reputation, even during their, you know, heyday of, you know, 2005, 2006. They always had this little stepbrother mentality, right? Like ugly stepchild mentality. Now it's worse than that. I mean, it really feels like the White Sox don't exist in this city. And that's the and that is the honest to god truth and that is a very scary feeling as a fan as someone that's supported this team for 30 plus years to really have the Sox be totally irrelevant is really a weird weird feeling and cuz that's exactly what it is right now they're totally irrelevant. Have totally you felt
3: irrelevant. have you so strong words but truthful have you felt that way ever in your Chicago to this level in your Chicago fandom?
0: Not to this level. Ooh. Not to this level. I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this the other day with all the Tim Anderson stuff. Um, Even a Luis Robert, there is nobody. And I use this term and I know you know what I mean. There's nobody likable on this current White Sox team. Nobody likable. Luis Robert has superstar potential and he has shown that this year. But I wouldn't call him likable. You know what I mean by that. Well,
3: like, I, I, I think people—the way that I phrase it, not to cut you off, Courtney—but the way that I phrase it, because you know, the team that I'm around a lot, the Red Sox, yeah. it's 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 players that people want to invest in.
1: Exactly. You know,
3: invest in financially. Invest in emotionally. Want to, you know, what you want to buy their shirt. Yeah. Um, you 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 know you want to go to the game to watch them play. Yes. I think it's, I think we're talking the same language in that we, respect, right? That, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel like Tim Anderson had that a little bit, but that clearly, I, I think he can benefit from a change of scenery, but he had that. There's really nobody like that on this team, which I mean, we have a, no, no offense. I mean, I know he can only has so much control. We have a lame duck manager at, the, at least at this point, um, it's it's very bad right now, and I don't know if it'll ever get better. Or how long it'll take for the, this to get better? But it's not going to get better overnight. It's not going to get better this offseason. They've already come out and said they're not going to spend on big free agents. So, where do you go from here? It's, well, it's
3: I'm going to tell you where you go from here. Okay, we've hit the low point. We've documented the low point. Well, yeah. Now, we're, <laughs> now we're crawling back up. We're going to start. this is how we're going to start, Courtney. I haven't even told you this. We're going to start with a baseballs and boring podcast with Dylan C's talking about ultimate frisbee. That is what we're taping <laughs> tomorrow. And oh. so we're stopping to like Come on, everybody don't pay attention to the base. It's so okay. it's all good. Okay. It's talks of ultimate frisbee. Let's get personalities out there and everything else. But after that, then you have to figure stuff out. And I know there's a, there's right down the road for where I am in the GM meetings of the Arizona fall league kid Colson Montgomery. He's really good. Good. Yeah. good. am yep. See, I'm trying to – I'm going to get you going by the end of this. You're
0: getting it. You're getting right? it. I'm...
3: But, and so, yeah, so th- there, has to be, there has to be something here um, because this is the beauty, maybe, of the White Sox, which is all these expectations we we're talking about, well, it's let down. Now there's zero expectations in a bad division or a flawed division. Let's go. Let's go, Cordy.
0: Well, and that <laughs> – <laughs> I love the optimism. You know, I do. I could use it right now. You I know. I know. But, I mean, that is the reality. And that's what Chris Getz has been selling. And he's going to sell it again this week. And he's going to sell it again in a few weeks at the winter meetings. And that's fine. And that's great. But I think, unfortunately, we're a fan base that has been burned by rebuild after rebuild. That just simply hasn't worked out. And I mean, I am cautiously optimistic about Colson Montgomery. You know, he, he was, I believe, the MVP of the of the Fall League, which is great, yeah. had some great moments. But as my good friend Adam Jones would always tell me and always yell at me about, a prospect is a prospect until he's not, until he proves himself. So until Colston Montgomery is up here hitting 25 home runs a year and driving in 100 RBIs, I'm not sold. So that's the problem.
3: That's why? I see. See, Corey, I'm trying to bring you up. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying... You're just... You're just you're weighed down by this, like this, this this, the Craig Council news (laughs) and and all of it. You have to, and you, like you said, you people like your your fan base, Courtney Nation, knows also doesn't know exactly where you live, but knows that you live. (laughs) Let's
0: hope not exactly,
3: but knows that you live closer to where they're having a parade as we speak for for Craig council than the other side of town where you bench over to watch games. So yep. you have to live this. Like, so you have to live this.
0: I have to live this. And it's not easy. It's not easy being one of the few Sox fans in my family. In fact, I mean, it's even my friend groups. I mean, it's, it's a very <laughs> existence right now, even more so than usual. So Part of me for being bitter, but this is this has been a long 2023 for me. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. The, the
3: the great news is that opening day that you go to every single year with your dad, okay. um, you're gonna have really good seats this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? And that is the positive because it was not sold out this year. Can't imagine it's gonna be sold out again.
3: Uh, this year. Yeah, I don't know. So okay, so what do they do? Like, so give me, give me the, give me the free agent. Give me the. Give me somebody who would be like okay because that that always happens too. They're, it does. Yeah, that so they sign somebody who 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 for you and, and don't say Shohei and Tani. Like, uh, obviously, I
0: got
1: to be uh, a little realistic.
3: Real. <laughs> give me, give me, give me somebody like you. Like okay, let's let's go. Let's sign that person, and I'll feel a little bit better about things.
0: Jordan, Jordan Montgomery. All right, Jordan Montgomery. All right. Um. I again. I still feel like that. You know, Jerry does not like to sign pitchers to long-term deals with big contracts. So, I assume Jordan's going to be looking for something substantial, and he'll get it. Um. Don't think it'll be from the Sox. So, but that would be something that I would be excited about.
3: Okay. All right. So I'm just trying to find a way to place a bet on the White Sox to win the World Series, Courtney.
0: You make a lot of money if they I, want.
3: I know. <laughs> do you know about Papelbon's bet?
0: I do. Okay. So I've heard rumblings of Papelbon's bets.
3: Yeah, it was going so well.
0: Yes. Was, and then his was,
3: boy. Courtney, Courtney, Papelbon, so he bet 10 grand at 50 plus 1500 in July on the Phillies to win the World Series. Yeah. And the way that was going, it was looking good. And I'm going to tell you this. I didn't want to reveal it at the time. But if they were going to win the World Series, I was going to fly you and everybody else to drink with Jonathan Papelbon on that last day because he didn't care. He was spending that whole 150 grand on alcohol but, that night.
0: I bet he was. Yeah. And that's why I will always love Papelbon cuz yeah. he got he has his priorities straight. He gets it. He knows. I know. I bet mean- <laughs>
3: But for the people behind the scenes, they really missed some good spicy conversations in the fancy football league.
0: Oh, they really did. If somehow this ever got published in another book, <laughs> no, <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. You no,
0: have no. to change some names.
3: You know no, what I'm saying? No, no, that would never ever happen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right, Courtney. Uh, well, does this feel? Do you feel anything else? You, what you I mean, I, mean, I just—I I want I you to feel so good.
0: Many, I have so many feelings, Rob, I mean, we don't even have the time for all the feelings I have, but. You know, it's just another, it's, it's, I will look forward to 2023 officially turning the page. Um, I'm going to try to be optimistic. Um, you know, I was not thrilled with Chris Getz being bumped up anyway, as you well know, as I called that. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, but like you said, I'll be back in Arizona in March, waving, you know, my White Sox flag and hoping for the best, as I you, always do.
3: We are talking to the GMs tomorrow. I think tomorrow's the American League GMs. What is the question? That you want me to ask Chris Katz.
0: Oh God! I mean, I I would use a lot of four-letter words if I had. (laughs) Uh,
3: If there is why, why don't you you ruminate at that and uh, and then text me and and uh, we'll and we'll get into the next podcast.
0: I mean, how how about Rob? How about where where do we go from here, Chris? Chris, you know where where do we where do we go from here, my man?
3: (laughs) Chris, where do we go? Chris Rob Radford, baseballs and boring network. (laughs) just one question where do we go from here <laughs>
0: and then mic-, mic drop and see what he says yeah
3: there you go there he you go drop. I, 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 perfect perfect all right Cordy, you're the best
0: oh you're the best
3: <laughs> okay picture this it's Friday
1: afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it